0: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call.
1: Good Friday afternoon to you. It's great to have you along for this edition of The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all in one hour. A warm welcome to those of you joining us on Twitter and Facebook as well. We run this program every day from Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Sydney time, and we get it up online shortly after if you do miss a beat or I'm told a lot of people listen to it again just to get some of those more uh, minute details coming through the conversation, which sometimes goes fast and furious. It's a Friday, and we've got the dynamic duo reunited. We have Claude Walker from A Rich Life joining us, Rudy Philipek Van Dyke from FN Arena. Look, these guys often agree, sometimes really don't, though, so it should make for an interesting program. How are you both today, starting with you, Rudy?
2: I uh, Well, you can you can see... Uh, uh, oh, not, Lord. I've <laughs> I, I have, I have been in lockdown for a while. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I'm starting to look like... Oh, John Bon Jovi, or something in the early 90s. Claude, you're looking very respectable.
3: Oh, thanks. I, I don't know about that, but I'm definitely uh, also without haircuts. That's okay, though. I'm keeping my spirits high and uh, staying grateful for all the things I do have. So that's good.
1: That's a good sentiment for this Friday. I'm going to get right to it. Today, our stock of the day is Technology One. The company is making its first global acquisition. Paying just over $22 million for a UK edtech firm. TNE will pay half up front, with the remainder being paid out based on the UK company making progressive earnouts. So that's the detail there on your screen. Technology One shares, to timestamp this, just past the noon hour here in Sydney on this Friday, up by close to 3%. Rudy Philippek Vendyk, FN Arena, what do you make of it?
2: Well, um... As everyone knows, I'm I'm a shareholder, have been for quite a while, intend to be for a long while, Uh, probably good to point out that this is an all time high in the share price. And what that means is that it doesn't matter at which point uh, one would have bought these shares, including this morning, we would always sit on a profit. And that's quite an achievement for a company that has has been around for a very long time. And for everyone who's a value investor, I'd like to make a comparison with the banks and, and, and with Harvey Norman and etc. cetera. Uh, so the, the difference there is, is, is quite uh, pronounced. Now, th- today's acquisition is actually more of a sentiment booster, I believe. Uh, Technology One grows about mid teens every single year. That is predominantly on operations in Australia. A few years ago, it did go into the UK. That has been a rather slow progress being made there. I can only assume that a, that a pandemic doesn't really help. Um, I mean, today's acquisition, to put that in perspective, this is a company that that has about 100 million uh, in free cash flow uh, on, on an annual basis. Uh, it makes an acquisition of of 20 or 22 million, so it's it's actually quite small. But what it does do is it probably improves its its market entrance in the UK, and that's obviously why the acquisition has been done today. So it basically improves its its ambitions in in the UK.
1: And uh, that is what the CEO said, just accelerating that growth in the international higher education sector. It's Mm. also really leveraged to government sector as well, Claude, I think what Rudy was implying in that answer was that, you know, Technology One is a buy today.
3: Well, I wouldn't be surprised if that exactly what he was implying (laughs) because Technology One's well known to be one of his favorite stocks that he's liked for a long time so yeah full credit to you for that rudy um good call i um agree with rudy generally uh that this is a high quality uh business uh it's one of the better ones there are a few concerns um some people have around um the business it can get a bit confusing because the first first half um cash flow is always negative so if you just look at the most recent results it looks like their cash flow is really bad that usually uh bounces back in the second half so um it is it is a decent quality business it's got sticky clients enterprise software so it has sticky uh sticky software basically uh and it's profitable good margins um i think that when rudy and i last talked about this one i pointed out that they were sort of increasingly telling the story of um being a recurring revenue business high arr growth as they convert clients to that so um that's a, that's a positive for it too. Having said that, I couldn't argue it's particularly cheap um, based on its most recent annualized recurring revenue. I think it's on about 20 times ARR, which is not uh, really low, but it's not super high given that it's uh, a fairly high quality business that has a long um, history of profitability. I, I think the final point, the, the final reason that I'm like, I'm always a little bit, I've always been a little bit cautious of this business. Um, and I think I've probably you know, just not appreciated their, that their software was better than I thought it was. It certainly is sticky. And also there's some stuff has come out in court, uh, past employee disputes and stuff like that, that has reflected not so well on the CEO, which has given me some kind of pause there. Uh, so I'm not a shareholder myself, although I have to say, um, given this must be up about 300% since I first looked at it and decided it was too expensive all those years ago, uh, even though if I say today oh, I still think it's too expensive, then you've got to remember that I've said that and been wrong in the past. <laughs> so perhaps it's more of a hold for me based on price, but uh, just with mm-hmm. the caveat being I've said that incorrectly before.
1: But Rudy, you don't mind paying for quality companies. I mean I've known you long enough to know that, correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. And the best the best strategy you have with companies like like uh, technology One is not to get too bamboozled by the numbers. Because the numbers don't don't give you the true story. It's about having trust in management and and having a long-term perspective. And as Claude said, I mean, uh, and we will we will discuss a few other stocks today. If you if you are waiting for those stocks to become cheap, you will never buy them, and that means you are going to miss out on on tremendous returns. And and investors should at times should adjust to the overall environment and not get too bogged down and waiting for a low PE, which which they will never get unless disaster strikes. And that's the time when you don't want to buy them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, got it. All right, so that's the stock of the day, technology one. Let's move on to a company that has been nominated by Oliver. Uh, this is one that I know we have discussed before, but I think it's worthwhile revisiting in the wake of reporting season. PME Pro Medicus, over to you, Claude.
3: Oh, isn't it delightful to start with Technology One and Pro are <laughs> uh, just two real uh, high quality software companies that um, it's hard to say too much about. about. Yeah, so Pro Medicus, of course, for the only people that don't know, must be only one or two right now. It's my largest holding still. It has been for a while. So I might be a bit biased there, but uh, the reason is I've made it a long term high quality holding and actually held on even as the multiple got uh, really high is just because it's a well-run company with well-aligned management, and also it uh, possesses a really great positioning in the technology stack for radiology services. So, what its specialty is is the um, the visualization software that allows radiologists to basically um, do their job better, quicker, faster, and from anywhere. And of course, that is going to be acting increasingly as the platform on which um, you know one hopes that AI algorithms will be increasingly assisting that radiology process and making it even more faster and accurate. And so basically, the way to think of ProMedicus is it, by making um, radiologists in the US in particular more efficient, mm-hmm. it creates value for the people, the hospitals and stuff, their employers who are paying for their services. Yeah. So wherever radiology costs are really really high because they haven't trained enough radiologists and the radiologists are earning millions a year that's where Prometicus can come in and and just make save so much money and make so much money itself because it charges on a per scan mostly on a per scan basis so there's a great structural growth story it's tech stack positioning is perfect to maximize the chance that it um gets to clip the ticket essentially on um AI assisted radiology in the future, turning to the results, the most, the second half was its record half of profit that grew 15% half on half. That's not year on year. That's just half on half, 15%. Um, And, you know, an increasing amount of that is recurring revenue as well, or it's that transaction revenue that's sort of quasi recurring in nature. And it's actually in my view, better because it's leveraged to the increasing number of radiology Mm -hmm. scans. So against all that it looks pretty great to me it was really fully priced going into the results if to my surprise it's gone up another 10 percent after what were great results but we already knew it was a great mm-hmm. company i don't know how the market get more excited about it than it already was but it did um had great free cash flow relative to its profit basically completely strong and things looking good ahead the only catch is its price is cr- like so crazy i can't justify it so it's i think around um 190 price to earnings. Actually, it's higher than that. I think it's 200 price to earnings multiple. So I was saying technology one was cheap on around 60 times. This is 200 times yeah, earnings. Yeah. It needs to have a lot of growth there. So for that reason, I could I would struggle to call it a buy at these prices. I just think that a lot of the goodness is already priced in. So for me, it's a hold. I still hold some just because it's such a high quality company. I'd argue the highest on ASX.
1: Yeah, I know that you've said that before. Just a quick follow up. Morgan's, and I read this on FN Arena, is advocating that holders with outsized positions trim into price uh, yeah. strength.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that actually, because I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I have actually trimmed this yeah. stock. It would be like 80% of my portfolio otherwise. I've trimmed it. I've trimmed it before the results. I've sold just a very tiny amount of shares above $60 just because I wanted to know that I had sold some if it crashes from here. But I'm yeah, I'm not uh, particularly active in this stock right now. I'm just holding on. I want to see what the future holds. I've taken a lot of profits um above the $50 range though Mm -hmm. as well so and even below that in the years gone by so yeah I'm I'm a trimmer of this one but it remains my highest uh my biggest position still to this day
1: if you were a holder Rudy would you be trimming now
2: um now probably not to be honest I would I would have trimmed uh uh ten dollars higher uh Mm -hmm. which it which it which it was at some point I mean, uh, there have been a time when, and, and for for quite a while, when when both Claude and I were were shareholders in in Promedicus, um, where where we both agree is that um, companies that are high quality, like a like and growth, like a, a Promedicus, they they tend to surprise on the upside, and and Promedicus has so far has done that time and time again. Where we a little bit uh, disagree is that. Um, with with such an excessive valuation, which i assume is is purely momentum play and some people jump on board because it looks good on the charts and and because everyone else is buying etc 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 is that uh there comes a point where you sort of have to question like do i still own these shares uh 70 is is at this point in time is a lot Long story short, I'm convinced this 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 stock will be worth seventy dollars and well beyond in the years ahead. It's just a timing thing that it goes there very quickly at this point in time. Now it's a little bit above sixty dollars. Um, how much exactly do you pay for this company? That's the, that's a question that nobody knows because the market doesn't necessarily give you give you the opportunity to come in at a lower level. Having said so, this is and I would assume that i mean it's just been my call for companies like prophetic like like technology one like car sales like roa group like zero um and there are like csl like resmed uh, there is a whole bunch of of high quality growth stocks on the stock exchange and if you're waiting to have those stocks at a low PE, you will never have these stocks in your portfolio that's just a given so we are missing out on tremendous returns and it, it becomes a point of, at what point do you get on board? At this point in time, I have taken my profits a little bit more than, than Claude has, so I have, at this point in time, zero exposure in my portfolio. But I'm ready, all right? If stocks like the ones I just mentioned and includes Prometicus, if at some point they, they correct lower or they come, um, not that long ago, at had um, Prometicus header, at a very brief, but sharp fall, I think mm-hmm. it was earlier this year, if that happens again, you will probably find both Claude and myself, and hopefully some some other people as well, simply jumping on board and going for the ride. Because just to, to illustrate what I'm talking about, when I got on board at $30 or below $30 on zero, everyone thought that was expensive. Today, the share price is 150 plus. Uh, when you ask people, when do you get on board on CSL? They say something stupid, like at $120, I would be buying it. It's three hundred dollars something. You're never gonna buy it. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I can I can use that example for ResMed, for REA. I mean, I bought I bought REA at much lower levels, but I at one point thought that it was it was getting expensive at sixty five dollars. It's 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 almost tripled that amount now, two and a half yeah. times. So it it gives you an idea that it's not in the numbers. You have to see the bigger picture and trust that management is doing the right thing and that those industry dynamics continue
1: all right let's find out if the industry dynamics are likely to continue for booktopia bkg reported recently revenue up 35 percent, profit up 125 percent they are printing these books i shouldn't say printing but they are shipping these books out as fast as they can Uh, can that continue though do you think that that pace of growth can continue claude
3: uh, yeah, probably not. I think they've even said themselves that they see, you know, customers splurging on books in lockdown kind of environment. And of course, with them being online only, like they're the natural beneficiary of, um, you know, you're stuck at home, you can't go out, you're probably deciding to read more books and then you've got to buy them online. So their revenue is up 35% in the last year, which is obviously uh, fairly phenomenal. And they have sort of say that it looks like, genuinely they're they're going to be profitable this year they weren't because of the ipo costs and stuff um but you know we'll i i love i love booktopia as a customer but um as an investor it's not so attractive to me um for a few different reasons so first of all the recent ipo was an opportunity for like the founders and the insiders and stuff to sell like existing shareholders sold out into the ipo i think about 18 million and then after that the ceo and the cto Sold more shares at $2.68 to the market. So, obviously, some investors are really loving the growth story here and the potential. Um, for me, uh, the market cap's about $390 million, and that's about 28 times the underlying ABITDA. Now, I'm not sure how familiar the viewers are with um, Charlie Munger's definition of a ABITDA, and I'll let you look that up yourself if you don't know what it is. But that's a bitter. Underlying a bit is an even more rubbery number to base a valuation on. And so 28 times that seems pretty punchy to me. I'm the kind of person that is not going to value a bookseller based on underlying a bitter. And we don't really have clean results. Um, we don't have clean results yet uh, since it's a relatively uh, recent listing. So for me, at best, it's a watch and wait, uh, but also a lot of the heuristics to me would be saying it's probably even a sell.
1: Got it. Rudy, how about you? I mean, I do note that $62 million worth of Booktopia shares, 16% of the company exchanged hands early on Monday as well. So that's a pretty big move there, but it did beat its prospectus sales forecasts and upgrading them as well. So far, it's performing.
2: My favorite observation is that companies who list, they need about four years to show their true colors. And this is only 12 months. Uh, if you look at the price chart, it hasn't done, on, on, on a net basis, it hasn't done that much since IPO. I mean, I mean uh, admittedly, it has been indulged a little bit and then has, has recovered now strongly, and now people get excited. I share um, Claude's uh, scepticism. Um, I mean, I have some information that it actually, uh, it, at this point in time, uh, book sales in Australia are actually a little bit in a slump. Uh, I don't do not know um, how much of that uh, translates into booktopia sales, um, but I'm a little bit skeptical. I think in, in the first instance, when we got into lockdowns, people thought people were trying to make the best of it. And then maybe they, they tried to learn something new or they're all uh, reading those romantic books they, they never had the opportunity for. But uh, I think now they're getting bored and, and I think uh, books are out for the time being and um, and, and In any other case, I think they they need still time to prove themselves. I'm on the skeptical side, so I'd rather stay not on board.
1: So that is in a void for you, Rudy. Yes. Ah, Romantic books. Hmm. Okay, (laughs) let's go to our next company on the list. Damstra DTC is the ticker code. This is for Paul. Sorry, the previous one was for Nick, I think it was. Damstra Holdings pre-guided its FY21 result. Records all around, including cash receipts. The vault acquisition is now fully integrated. Dempstra is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a workplace systems uh, provider. They've got a number of different solutions that are used in the workplaces, Mm -hmm. and they've been able to adapt to COVID as well. Rudy, I'll start with uh, you for Dempstra Holdings.
2: Well, since Claude uh, uh, mentioned Charlie Munger, let me mention uh, Warren Buffett. Um, Most turnaround stories never really turn around. Um, this was a company that also quite, quite young on the stock exchange. I think Claude, is, uh, but Claude can, can, can uh, tell, that, tell the story later himself. I think he's enthusiastic because the share price looks cheap. And obviously the only way is up from there. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about that Volt acquisition. Uh, that was not such a great company and it, it probably wouldn't have become a better company since now it's owned by Demstra. And you can see from that chart that the market is actually really, really skeptical about what's coming out of, of this business. And um, for me, it's uh, I I can't see the enthusiasm that uh, that Claude has for this for this company. So I would just basically just leave it on the side. There's so many more uh, better opportunities out there that have less question marks attached to them.
1: Uh, I think really sort of. Pre, uh, pre-guided pre what your comments might be there, Claude. <laughs> but but what do you have to say to that? What's your rebuttal?
3: Uh, well, so this one, has, I do own shares in Dance and this has been a, a roller coaster for me that I have not done particularly well out of. I first started buying it at around current prices in 2020, and it went on a great run, and I, it was up 100% for a while, and it was great. And then unfortunately, what happened was they missed their guidance that they gave around the time that they acquired vaults and they missed it quite significantly now they say that that was partly to do with you know basically covid delaying some big projects because what these guys do as their sort of core offering is they do um sort of they might have the machine that that um tracks who goes onto a site and who goes off it as well as tracking you know what the trucks are doing on a work site or a mine site it started in mining it does a lot more than that now but it started in mining um it might track You know where the trucks are going who's in the trucks? they also have the vault acquisition was about getting vault solo which is something that goes on your phone that then tracks the workers around a a big a mine site like that as well so it's basically about you know tracking and managing you know so for trucks they need to make sure that this has been um, maintained properly and stuff like that or it's a workplace safety issue if you don't maintain the truck it breaks down you got a driver hurts themselves you've got a problem um so that's the kind of thing that they do and basically it is software driven so it has a little bit of hardware that will go on the machine to track it or at the gate to see who's going on and off a site and that little bit of hardware makes it sort of a stickier relationship because you've got something physically installed with the customer but then they just charge an ongoing software subscription for the use of the software platform um they call it their enterprise protection platform Now we've discussed the narrative in the market and that's the sociological study of markets. And that's ultimately what's going to decide whether you make money on stocks or not. Does the share price go up or down essentially? However, if you actually just zoom in on the fundamentals of the business here and ignore the fact that they've created this mess by giving guidance and missing guidance and all that sort of stuff, you have got a situation where um, they've grown their user numbers by 74%. They've um, added 27% new clients in the last uh, financial year. And they've, even though the actual revenue wasn't as good as they thought it was, it's still significantly bigger. And even in the sort of unimpressive year for the organic growth in the actual core dancer business, we're seeing that pick up in the final quarter of the of the year. So you actually are starting to see signs of a recovery. Now, what we do know is that they've said their annualized recurring revenue is thirty four point five million, and um you know that's in it that should imply that revenue will grow at least 25 percent in this current year and if we if we use that 34.5 uh million as the sort of basis of comparison with other software stocks then that puts it on about five t- times arr now that's because of all of these issues we discussed also the fact that the company has some debt now so it really needs to eat, reach um cash flow break even so it's getting more high risk so This could either be the dark days where it it gets break even it starts emerging for this mess and i'm almost certain that at at that point um people will start being more interested in it and the multiple will increase Mm -hmm. uh or alternatively it it fails that it doesn't get cash flow break even it keeps chipping away it's declining cash reserves and then the market's going to start smelling blood uh and and assuming that there'll be a capital raise and so it's definitely a high risk moment in time for damster Personally, I am backing them to succeed, but I can be wrong, and that's the nature of small cap investing. Is you're you're taking a bunch of bets that you think the risk reward is in your mm-hmm. favor. It may or may not be, um, and I'm still I'm still sticking with these guys because I like the longer term story, the massive growth running runway, the decent gross margins, and all of that, and the decent multiple. But you know that it could go the wrong way if they don't get that cash flow break even.
1: So that is a hold. If you're in it, it's not a buy.
3: Um, you know what, it actually kind of is a buy for me, like I'm, but it's just a buy carefully High and risk. not too much in it. So I'm okay. not buying more, but I would buy at current prices.
1: Rudy, we'll just have to move on to the next uh, the next company. I can see your smile there. PWR Holdings, PWH is a ticker code. This is for Julian who says, I think it's a great company, but just not sure what a good entry price would be. It seems to be running away from me each time the price looks attractive. So this is a company that produces high quality, lightweight performance aluminium cooling products that it sells into different markets. Uh, what do you make of PWR holdings, Rudy?
2: And, and I think that the comments made by by the viewer is exactly what I was trying to say with, with the likes of Technology One, Promedicus, REA Group Zero, you name it. If you are waiting for some low point, then you're probably never gonna get on board. Uh, I mean, the, the, the investment thesis, um, which I also recently said to someone who asked me about Phineas Corp, which is mm-hmm. today or this week is doing a capital raise as well. The, the investment thesis for these companies, you will not find on the balance sheet and you will not find in the numbers. What, 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 what the investment thesis essentially is, is that these guys have now proven to be uh, very good at what they do and that's cooling systems and they have uh they've now expand what well, they basically potentially are now expanding their market because they're now moving into defense and, and and aerospace and yeah. maybe even maybe even in space beyond uh, the earth uh, what that means is that if management can execute even moderately on that potential that share price will be a lot higher in the years to come. They, so they do they do cooling systems very, very well, they do Formula One and race cars and all of that. But if they can moderately execute on their potential, the share price will be a lot higher. So when you get on board, well, you can't get on board on a cheap multiple anymore. The market has now picked up on that. So you will have to get on board at some point where you feel comfortable. And that might be on a pullback, that might be uh, by um, averaging in, Um, Or it might be you wait wait for market correction or whatever, or you just get on board and take a long-term view, whatever your strategy is. But don't wait for for cheap share price because you may not ever get in.
1: Okay, so this is a buy for you. Yes. Claude, are you buying PWR Holdings?
3: Uh, Yes, so I actually bought uh, after the results, they put out these most recent results, which was uh, strong growth across the board, revenue, dividends earnings per share basically very another good set of results and just like this viewer julian i've been looking at these guys now since they were like under three dollars and thinking oh this is an interesting business but it just seems a bit expensive so it's gone up so much in that time now the problem is it's a pe of 50 right so that's why julian says oh it's just always so expensive and Um, You know, what I would say to that is what I do in this scenario is I'm anchored to that $2.87 that I looked at it years ago. and was like, nah, too expensive. That's what's in my head. Every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, I'll just try and get a better price. So what I did is I just bought a tiny bit of the shares in the company, just which I call a research position, which is just to reset my psychology, make sure I'm following on with the story. And so that I can have that connection with the stock so that I will get to know the business better, because. After I looked at this years ago, and then it kept on going up and up and up, because I'm talking even five on the five-year chart you'd need to see, um, basically, um, it's gone up so far that it hurts me to look at it. So now I own a little bit. I'm going to follow the story more closely, but it looks like, basically, the conference call was very positive, in my opinion. Basically, it sounds like they're very enthusiastic about the market opportunity before them. They basically think that the main... It seems like from some of the comments in their um, presentation basically said the online store is ready to go live subject to production capacity. It sounds like they've got a lot of demand. They've yep. got a lot of products they can be building, which is a great place to be um, because it means that as they invest in being able to create more products, their revenue and profits and everything are going to go up and shareholders are going to get to find out how long they can keep, doing that run how long can they keep growing and growing and that will determine whether it justifies the PE of 50 or not but it seems like a really high quality business so mm-hmm. I've actually bought a little bit just so that I follow along closely because overall my strategy is similar to Rudy's in the sense that I do want to be overweight quality business and I do want to be following those businesses.
1: Tick so that's a buy and a buy that is going in the Ausbiz portfolio. Let's get to the last one before go. the halfway mark. There you go, guys, we got there. <laughs> Energy One, uh, Pat has written in saying, I'd like Claude Walker's view on this one. He mentioned Energy One as his uh, in his stock portfolio. Likes the story, purchased at 650, plan to hold long-term. Question is, what are the key risks to this company other than I suppose execution risk and not being able to gain more market share in Europe? So just answer the question, do you still like Energy One? Would you get into it now What's the biggest risk, Claude?
3: Yeah, so I definitely still like Energy One. I'm not buying what shares myself now, but if I didn't buy, if I didn't have any shares, I'd probably buy some buy some shares in that. So what Energy One does is does software for um, participants in energy wholesale markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so energy trading software. Uh, obviously, that's like quite core to those operations. So that means it has a stickier thing. They're still part of the market where Energy One is not competing against other software providers. They're competing against companies that have built their own solutions. And it's not always practical for having each company having their own solutions. It's usually better to be using um, the software of the sort of experts. Now, in the most recent results, I think that the company was warning us that um, even though their results this year were showed massive increases, they've increased the dividend from 3.5 cents to 6 cents. They've got huge increases in profit for these most recent results. But they've basically been saying that, um, you know, it looks like it's going to be a little bit harder in the year to come because what's happened is that in the year gone by, because of COVID, they've cut down their marketing and sales expenses because there was no traveling around and that kind of thing. But, of course, they haven't really lost any um, clients during that period. So, um, in fact, they've increased their revenue considerably so their profits have gone up heaps this year their sales is going to be more difficult because they haven't been having as much sales and marketing activity in the last year plus they're going to increase their sales and marketing costs so it might be a tougher year this year for energy one definitely a good time to sort of watch and wait and see what the share price does if that profit number if that like they're guiding for like maybe roughly flat year on year now they may do better than that but the point is that that could see the share price come down and it could be more attractive than it is right now Having said that, at the moment, it still seems like this is a profitable software company that's more or less trading on a hefty profit multiple. But if you compare its recurring revenue multiple to other companies that are similar, it looks quite cheap to me. It's about 7.5 times recurring revenue, which is like we're talking about technology one on 20 and I think, you know, ProMedicus on 80 or something like that. So you can see that compared to other software as a service companies, in my opinion, it's still fairly cheap.
1: All right. So that's Energy One from... Claude, Rudy, are you going to agree? What's your view?
2: I'm going to respectfully disagree with Claude. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the comparison is often made, but there's a reason why Prometheus and Technology won't trade on higher multiples than, than, than this stock is because they are proven winners and there is, there is less risk attached to their growth trajectories than there is to this particular uh, company. Uh, I can't, we, We've spoken about this in the past. I can't get excited about it. Uh, I, I definitely can't get excited about it at this, this point in time. And I think uh, we all have limited uh, 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 wallets. Uh, our money is not unlimited. So I think one of the key constituents of, of being a successful investor is you manage your risk. And there are less risky places, I think, in the market to put my money. So I'm not even considering this, this one in particular. So for me, it's a, it's a non-interest uh, stock.
1: It's like it doesn't even exist to you, Rudy. All right, <laughs> let's get across what we've learned so far. And our stock of the day was Technology One. It has made its first overseas acquisition. This is a quality company that has proven itself. And you've heard Rudy say that a couple of times over the past half hour. It is a buy for him but it's not for Claude, so it's not going in the portfolio because he says while it is high quality, it's just not cheap, so it's a hold for Claude. Pro Medicus, one of Claude's favorites, he's known for his uh, deep knowledge of the company. It's a hold for him right now though, because it's expensive. It is fully priced, great business. Um, Yeah, Rudy says it all comes down to timing as well, how much you are willing to pay. He would be trimming as well now past the result, but you do want to look for this company on a pullback because again, it is quality. So hold for now. Booktopia, it's a sell actually from both of our expert guests. It just doesn't have the history for Rudy, but he's also just a bit skeptical overall. Um, Management is selling, so that's not a great sign. They've actually done so twice. Uh, Claude says, watch and wait at best. But yeah, again, leaning more toward a sell on this one if you're already holding it. Damstra, this is a buy, but it's a high risk for Claude. I'm not going to summarize what he said. You can go back and listen to it. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, but he is a holder. And uh, quite a different scenario being painted by Rudy, who says that it's in a void. He, he, he's like Buffett. He says, uh, Most turnaround stories are never really a turnaround, so he's avoiding this one. PWR Holdings, it's a buy from both of our expert guests. It is going in the AusBiz portfolio. Um, Look, Claude bought it after the result. Uh, Rudy again says, perhaps there's no perfect entry. The investment thesis is that they've proven that they are very good at what they do. And we just talked about Energy One. It's an avoid, hard avoid for uh, Rudy again hasn't proven itself, but it's a buy for Claude because he thinks it's cheap and he thought that the most recent result was pretty good. But you could potentially get it on a pullback if there is some execution risk or, or some pitfalls there in the months to come. All right, that's the halfway mark. Let's check in on the portfolio, courtesy of our partners at Nab Trade. One week return, eight-tenths of a percent, one month three percent, year to date is over 5% but of course we have been tracking this since July 1st of 2020 and since then the calls portfolio is up around 42% so not bad. So today we added one. We've also added recently Resimac, PointsBet, Harvey Norman, Camplify and ReadyTech Holdings. We've taken out the Appen Flight Center, the Vanguard Global Value Equity Active ETF and Western Areas. Hmm, That's an interesting one. If you'd like to see that portfolio, you can go to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if uh, investing is your thing and you've got friends who are also interested, we'd love if you could tell them about us and to incentivize you, cash talks, you could win up to six prizes worth 10K, including five grand in a self-wealth trading account. So time is ticking. It runs out this week, but you can get your name and your referral's names into that prize pool if you act quick let's get on with it shall we gentlemen claude walker is here from a rich life rudy, rudy Philippek van dyke from fn arena the next company on the list is pinnacle investments for peter pni and he has written in saying i'd like rudy's view on this one please outstanding results great run of growth price is high so the question is what's the risk example hyperion which is leveraged to a lot of those big global tech names was a significant contributor to the results. So he goes on to say, "Should we buy at any price in anticipation of ongoing growth, Rudy?" Uh,
2: the answer there is in this particular case, is probably no. Um, I have, I mean, I agree with everything uh, that, that you just said, Nadine, and um, but I do think that the market is probably um, a getting really, really excited about the recent results, and they were very good and B, already looking forward into uh, their next acquisition or international expansion. And I do believe that already part of that is now being priced in the share price. And that sort of means that your, your upside is, is getting a little bit uh, moderate from here. Um, again, uh, great business for those people who are not familiar with it. Uh, it's It acts as an umbrella and it takes uh, or it helps uh, people with great ideas in the investment market, and it takes, in them and and basically nurtures them and and brings them to market, and it has some absolutely great uh, performers uh, um, in its suite of of uh, of fund managers and asset managers. Um, I would prefer to be a little bit more cautious here and 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 wait until the excitement has subsided, and, and I'm sure there will be there will be better entry points at some point. Just take a look at what happened to the Magellan share price, for example. When when all the excitement comes out of the share price, the the, the, the price can be quite considerably lower. And and that's a, a situation where you really don't wanna be in Even though there are dividends on offer here.
1: Okay. Rudy, I'm sorry, Claude, do you see it differently to Rudy? No. I think we can
3: probably save a little bit of time uh, on this particular one because I do pretty much exactly agree with what Rudy said. The last thing i like add to that is that a lot of times, um, any group of society does herding behaviours. And a lot of times uh, you see small cap fund managers do herding behaviours. And I feel like there's been a lot of love for this particular stock and this particular thesis... Amongst amongst small mid cap fundies recently, and you can see that beautiful chart of the last year. It's just been going up and up. That creates a lot of love, of course. And the other thing is, is they've been able to sort of see the performance of the underlying funds that Pinnacle owns shares of, right? And they've been able to see that those funds are going well, and that they're going to have good performance, and that that's going to be great for earnings. and And that's the thesis. It's a very simple thesis that they've mm-hmm. just been able to do the research, see that there's going to be good earnings, get in ahead of that. Talk about it here the good earnings have arrived it's gotten so much momentum that it's still trading on like 40 times those really good earnings after there's been a great bull run all of the funds have done really well so the fees are high and etc of course it's not just about hyperion which has done particular well and has a lot of like you know high valued stocks in it but it's all of them are going to get hit and all of the fees are going to go down if we have a market downturn and you just know that the exact same fundies that have been singing the praises of these uh this you know thesis on the way up they'll be the first to spot that it's mm-hmm. going to go backwards and they're going to sell and by the time a retail shareholder waits for the results and finds out it'll already have moved so yeah i'd probably my instinct is to leave this to the fundies uh, maybe if you get in at a really low price then it could be just a good long-term buy and hold but i agree with rudy but basically
1: got it let's go to playside studios P L Y for you claude we'll start there ask him what's up with playside studios He knows what the stock does well. What does he think of it in the wake of its report?
3: Yeah, right. So it's not um, one that I looked at particularly closely for the reports because I had sold it just beforehand. Now, I previously did own this one. What it does is it develops a variety of games, but their principal earner, or at least their most exciting game from a margin perspective, is uh, I think called Animal Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I've got it on my phone, and it's like a very, very simple game, right? And... Um, the one thing that I noticed in the in the most recent report is that you know they're going they're having to spend a fair bit um, in customer acquisition costs for these games, um, and you know that is supposed to bring a payback later because. Um, you basically supposedly acquire customers and they're playing your games for ages and they're going to buy little eat, like, you know, buy yeah, buffs yeah. in the game. Like you can buy stuff that's add on that make it easy to win or whatever. Basically it's like essentially pay to win. Um, and my experience from having the, their biggest game on my phone for for months now and sort of playing it from time to time is that, I don't see how, I'm sure people must get bored of it quickly and I'm not so sure that the customer acquisition costs they're paying now will pay off in the future. Now they might, and if they do, that's a great arbitrage, but that's essentially what you're doing here. It's like, it's almost, you know, they're, they've got a customer acquisition cost. They've got their ability to monetize players and it seems like they're running it pretty close. Like I'd like to see a little bit more comfort there that the lifetime value is definitely more than the customer acquisition costs. And I would also have more comfort if the games seemed more like long lived individually, like the, that one person might play it for a really long time. Well, so uh, as a result of, I
1: was going to say it's Animal Warfare, so I guess you're not that into yeah. it. And they've yeah, got I'm a couple... that, I've got it
3: on my phone. <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten they... what it was called. It's...
1: They're releasing another seven games over FY '22, <sighs> including Godfather and Legally Blonde. Do you think you're going to be playing Godfather and Legally Blonde, Claude, more than Animal Warfare?
3: I you know, I probably will because I'm going to download it to see if it's any good because if I if they do crack a really ge- a game that I think is like picking up chatter on the internet and people are really into it then that might be a great time to buy but literally that's sort of more or less how I decided to play it like I yeah I think the thesis is there but I want to see have uh, games that I think last longer basically for the same person and have more potential is what I want to see so that's why I sold out
1: yeah good all right um Rudy. Uh, are you
2: I wish you caught leisure okay. and uh, that's uh, all I have to say about this one
1: good one <laughs> and uh, aristocrat obviously reports outside of cycle so I think we're looking forward to that report in November correct me if I'm wrong so yeah aristocrat is the quality in the gaming space for Rudy let's go to raise then raise is uh, been brought to the attention by Ben it it uh, Actually, got itself in the headlines this week when its CEO looked to spill the majority of the board. That has caught Ben's attention, and he has said, "Is it still a buy, Rudy? Uh, you were short and sweet last time. Let's start with you on this." I
2: actually, I actually have uh, been following this company since it was called Acorns. Yep. Um, and uh, it's it's probably it's probably uh, illustrative of how. Um, Competitive the Australian market is that they actually moved away from Australia and uh, sought uh, and found growth in Asia. Um, now I'm not a big fan of companies that have to avoid competition and have to have to find their growth. I mean, I can imagine if you as an Australian company enter Indonesia or Malaysia, that you have a little bit of a of a of a uh, a very good uh, image around you because you come from a developed uh, market, but i'm a bit skeptical about uh, whether this is actually a high growth uh, business which it should be given its size um with 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 regards to getting trying to get the the, the currency or trying to get rid of some uh, dead wood in on the board uh, that would actually be a positive in my view um uh, too many companies in australia have dead wood in in the boardroom and um there's plenty of examples there and i think if if he succeeds with that well, that is a, a, that's a, that's a very good achievement uh, on his behalf, but I, for me again, it's way too small. It's um, I mean, it's it's also on a risk-adjusted uh, basis. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily consider um, this company as an investment.
1: How about you, Claude? Um, again, there are quite a few sort of small-cap fund managers that really like uh, Raise.
3: Yeah, so I actually raised de- a, decent, a decent business, and I ha- I owned it not that long ago. Um, just because I picked it up at around a dollar forty-five, and then looked to sell out actually at around current prices. But my idea was basically that um, they were making a lot of effort to promote the to promote the narrative and the investment narrative and the share price and stuff. And I could see they were doing that, and so mm-hmm. I thought that I would put the share price up. That doesn't really endear me to them long term at all. It just means that i can predict their behavior um i remember and, and that now Claude, did...
1: just to let me interrupt for a second did that trade work for you because it was ahead of some a conference that they were sponsoring and you thought that there might yeah, be some yeah. short on that
3: chart i even sold too early it went it yeah. went up to like it went higher than i thought it would it's not like i picked the peak or the trough here I, mm-hmm. I just had a little bit of the run on the way up um but i just knew they would if they're like trying to promote their stock to people it's like it's a good story it it hasn't been much talked about basically what it is is it's that little it's like a little app on your phone that encourages you to invest spare change or invest regularly in um in etfs essentially and you know i think they have like a part crypto offering as well now which probably gets an even higher Mm -hmm. fees and stuff like that they recently put up fees which like they didn't lose any customers from but i don't think the product's good right i think they're just over like they're charging more to millennials who haven't figured out that the best thing is to just open a brokerage account and buy low-cost etfs they're like got this app that makes it a little bit easier to sign up but then it has a higher fee forever so Hmm. um yeah i think that business model can and will work and there's a price for it with all of this kerfuffle with the with the board and everything we don't know how that's going to play out so i'd i'd avoid it for now um having said that you know it's probably in the hold zone for me anyway it's not particularly cheap to my mind
1: Got it. Now let's go to Brambles for Gen BXB is the ticker code. Strong FY21 result. Now they didn't provide guidance, but Rudy, it's my understanding that Brambles will be providing guidance at its Investor Day, which is being held on September the 13th. Um, Look, what do we we want to hear at this Investor Day from Brambles?
2: We want to hear that they're finally cracking uh, the barriers in Asia and they're finally getting their uh, their pallets uh, are in order and, and, and they contract them and, and everything is uh, hunky-dory again. I mean, um, I'm not the only one who looks for uh, quality, uh, dependable uh, uh, performance in the share market. And Brambles has long been presented as one of, of, of such character. Uh, it has actually disappointed and hasn't really lived up to expectations. I think the best... I personally would say that, um, and they are often compared to each other, I personally think that Amcor is a much better proposition than, than Brambles, even though Brambles is, looks cheaper than Amcor. But um, I think if you want to own Brambles, you can, because it's, it's not, it's not a, a very bad business. It's just it hasn't lived up to expectations outside of that rally that you just see that happened since March. Uh, If you take a longer term view, that has been quite disappointing and luckily they pay a dividend. But if you take a longer term view, you have to you have to think that they hopefully crack their their entries and their expansion into Asia. And that could for for quite a, a long time provide the company with a lot of growth under the wings. Now, so far, that's still waiting for that to happen. And it's probably a gradual and slow process. In the meantime, you do get dividends. So if you own it, it's not necessarily a dog that you have. You have a reasonable performer. It's not fantastic. If you don't own it, I would think there are still better better and shorter dated opportunities out there. And, and Emco, I think, is one of them.
1: Thank you. Now, Claude, how do you view Brambles? Um, yeah, it's, it's also moving into, I guess, uh, the long transition into plastic pallets as well. Does it interest you at all?
3: Um... Not, not really. It's just a really uh, mundane, unattractive uh, investment opportunity at, at current prices. I think that Rudy was right to focus on the dividend. Um, this is, in my view, mostly should be thought of as a dividend stock. Its share price, if we go back five, ten years, it's, or even five years, I think, its share price is pretty much the same as what it was five years ago there you have it actually off the top of my head it seems like i was accurate with that recollection (laughs) basically that means your return is coming from the dividend okay so 2.3 percent dividend yield or whatever it is at the moment is probably not worthwhile however if you get the stock when it's in one of its doldrums periods um maybe actually that's going to be a pretty good dividend yield from what you paid um and because as due to the distribution network global distribution network it does have a defensible moat so you would not expect this bill bu- this business to die it could get a bit bigger a bit smaller based on how well it's managed so yeah i, I wouldn't take it off the watch list completely but for me right now to 2.3 percent yield mm, just doesn't doesn't seem that good an option
1: yeah okay now the final company on our list today guys eml payments uh, look, it looked as if it was a pretty strong result that came through. Um, now, it does have the remediation efforts with the Central Bank of Ireland, but Rudy, I guess remediation in Ireland is much better than you know, the alternative.
2: Yes, I, I, I think you're right, Nadine. Um, the problem is that the market has already adopted that view, and you see that in the share price. Um, the market is already pricing in that there will be a a resolution in Ireland coming up and it won't be that bad. Um, So the share price is ever creeping closer to where it was when when the the announcement was made uh, about the Irish uh, operations. Uh, I mean, this is a company that was, uh, I think from memory up until mid 2019, I believe, uh, one of the champions in the small cap space. Uh, with tremendous uh, uh, share price appreciation. It has become a little bit tougher. Still, um, this company, just to, for people who are not uh, familiar with it, this company is actually trying to be a bank at this point in time and an alternative payments provider. And it has lots of uh, tentacles uh, from stretching from left to right and it's geographically uh, moving way beyond Australia. I mean, this is still a small cap fintech. I mean, the potential is enormous, but, it, 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 but get success is not guaranteed. Now, I personally, um, I'm not thinking, I think I owned it for a while. Um, but I got out of it because it's it, purely out of a risk assessment. The fact that management uh, goes now into, in, into such a strong ambition beyond the original core competence of this company means that success is definitely not guaranteed. And I sometimes uh, allow companies to, um, to do their thing and to prove to me that they're worth my attention, but I do not necessarily have to be on board while, while, while that's happening. So I definitely would not have gone on board after the, the, the Central Bank of Ireland had some questions, uh, but I can see now that if that resolution comes and it will come at some point, and it's not too bad, the share price will probably respond positively. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, a, there's a trading opportunity, definitely longer term we'll have to wait it's all about execution and it's it's not a guaranteed success as i said
1: i think that um your mantra today is that the proof has to be in the pudding rudy claude how about you eml i mean do you do you um discount a company because it's got big ambitions
3: uh no uh, actually think that this has always been an interesting small cap asx stock and it still is um a lot of the focus right now is on this pfs business it acquired that's had regulatory problems and you know a bit worse than anyone thought at the time of the acquisition um but the longer term thesis is still probably uh fairly attractive in my view because and i'll keep this one brief and just high level it's basically eml you know Essentially, provides the infrastructure. It's business-to-business infrastructure that allows other companies, you know, to essentially process payments as it would appear to their customers anyway. And so that means what happens is EML um, profits more and grows as its own customers grow. And because its own customers, at least with the general-purpose reloadable center, uh, segment, which is the more interesting segment, um, long-term, the growing one, mm-hmm. you know, those customers themselves are growing in the general um as generally cash fades away among other things so for that reason i think it's an interesting it's got it's got the tailwinds it's got a long-term track record for you to judge there are some ups and downs there to me um eml payments is actually one of the ones that's on my list of stocks that i might consider buying um and the more that it appears that all of the skeletons are out of the closets in terms, of the re- in terms of the regulatory problems with PFS, the more I think we get closer to that optimal moment to tr- sort of buy, because then the sociology, we won't be talking about this anymore in one year's time, in two years' time, assuming it's all over. And then the the sentiment will increase and you'll probably get a lift just from that. So for me, it's very interesting. I won't call it a buy because I am personally haven't got there yet, but mm-hmm. I do think it's very interesting and, and I'll call it either a hold or a buy.
1: Got it. Thank you. Um, I'll sum up in just a moment. I'll take this time to thank you both for joining us throughout this hour, for giving us your thoughts and a few laughs along the way. Rudy Philippette van Dijk from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. We'll chat soon.
3: Thanks very much.
1: All right, here we go. Getting to number six on the list, Pinnacle Investments. It's a no from both of my guests. Rudy just thinks people have become a bit overenthusiastic and Claude points out the hurting behavior that might be going on. Playside Studio, it's not a buy. Rudy has given us a bonus buy, which is aristocrat. Uh, Claude Walker was a holder, but he's just not uh, as into the games as perhaps you need to be if you're going to be holding a company that uh, essentially uh, produces games. Raise, it's an avoid for Claude. It is a avoid for Rudy as well. He's skeptical. He doesn't necessarily believe that high growth mantra or a tag that it gets. Mcore is what Rudy would prefer over Brambles. Brambles is a hold though because it's a dividend payer, and that's what the the plus side is of it all to to Claude as well. But it's it's not a buy for him. EML Payments is on Claude's watch list as you just heard, but. Um, Well, Rudy has said throughout that he wants companies to prove it to him that they're going to be winners in the future before he necessarily gets on board. That's it for us this time around. Any companies you'd like us to cover, please drop us a line, the call at ozbiz.com.au. We do get to them as soon as we can and tweet us at ozbiz.tv. You can also check out that portfolio at ozbiz.co forward slash portfolio.